All right, everybody. This episode is going to be fire because Ackerman is not here. So Thank goodness. We don't have to listen to his babbling. Um, but no, he had his big day today. Uh, so it's Todd and I. We're going to go tandem without him. But today we're going to talk about is something which you and I were chatting right before this, Todd, was um, oddly enough, not really on my radar, which is kind of like when I say client experience, like it is on the radar, but the discussion we're having, there's a difference between evaluating a coach for the six criteria and then evaluating the coach for the experience they provide to the client when they're in the class. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, obviously presence and attitude is a big, big part of what it takes to be a coach. But I think getting more specific on what we mean by presence and attitude and how that, how that impacts and relates to a specific class and specific coach and how, how your members and clients, what they should be receiving as far as that's concerned is, is definitely something to, to consider that we, uh, that we need to look into and should be aware of as gym owners and, and, and head coaches which so truth be told i was i was on a uh phone call the other day with marcus gersey uh working with him on some stuff and he's been on the podcast and he we were walking through some things and that that kind of light went on for me i'm like i'm like oh shit i'm like i know how to evaluate people based on the six criteria right like i know how to get people dialed in for teach see correct group management presence and attitude demonstration but at no point am i measuring quantifiably some touch points or some things that would be specific to the member, like all of those metrics that we're giving are specific to the coach, right? Which is important. However, you and I both agreed before we hit record that that's arguably not as important as what the member perceives in that 60 minute timeframe. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, unfortunately, as much as it, it hurts my heart, like our ability, like nobody knows whether I'm good at teaching, seeing and correcting. They might, you know, they don't know well, only people what, that know know right and so if if you've never been to another crossfit gym you have no point of reference on what a different coach is like right or what a different facility is like so as much as i'm like man i you know i can put my my flag in the ground stating that i'm proud of the way that my my gym and my coaches teach see and correct the end of the day that probably doesn't matter to people trying to join the gym they want to go to the one that's closest to their house or they want to go to the one that their friend goes to or they want to go into the one that makes them feel good when they walk in the door and yes teaching scene correcting is going to going to play a role in that but it's probably not going to be as important as some of the things we discussed that you had mentioned before we started which is like are you saying the, the client's names are you talking to them about something that's not gym related um, it's, those are the kind of things that are going to make people feel good and feel different and want to be in your facility. So that, that's kind of the weird, I, I say intangible, but the reality is those are not intangibles, meaning we could quantify them, right? So the same way we could, we could quantify your ability to cue verbal, visual, tactile effectively, we could sit down and we could talk about like, okay, what would be an awesome, what would be an awesome class? Like what would be a world-class class in, in the sense of member experience like what would I want to happen I was like well a I'd want the coach to probably say my name probably multiple times I would probably want a minimum of one to three personal interactions that you could probably split it down the middle whether it was like with to do with regard to the workout or something personal to me 
whether it's I ask you something that I know or I ask you for some information that has jack shit to do with fitness, you know, like how was work, you know, like whatever. Um, and then probably something else where we celebrate a, a success of some sort. And I feel like that would be like, if you could check those three boxes for every single person that came in your class, it would probably be a pretty badass experience. I don't like, what would you add to that? Like what else would be like, man, this would be amazing. Like if I got this, when I went into a class. Well, I think that's the, like the way that you're framing it is the interesting piece because I don't think anybody walks into a gym and goes, all right, I hope Todd asked me about my family today. I hope he checks in on how work's going. And I hope he gives me two high fives when I sit the new PR. But what I do think the person when they're walking in the door go feel whether they whether they are aware of it or not, they want to feel like I care about them. Correct. And so those things that you mentioned are the things that we as coaches need to do, not just to check a box because, hey, you're going to evaluate your coaches based on their presence and attitude. And here's the list. But on, on the other end, the, the, the athlete or the, the member's feel, feeling needs to be that you care about them. And you show that you care about them when you're asking about those things, when you're celebrating those things, when you're, you know, giving them cues and corrections, when you're talking about things in and outside of the gym and not just saying it like you're, like I said, checking a box, but you've got to really mean that kind of stuff. Um, so I, it's, I a think the it's a tough one though, right? Because yes, we don't want to do it to check a box, but again, it goes back to, well, how do I make this actionable and tangible? Like, how do I, how do I actually evaluate somebody? And going back to what I've referenced before about like Todd Whitman gave me feedback. He's like, Hey, leave your personal opinions out of it, right? It has yeah. nothing to do with any of this. So we have to make it tangible and we have to make it quantifiable. And it probably will feel, I would imagine like I'm thinking about it now and it probably would feel a little bit forced and a little bit rigid to begin with. But as I become more aware of those are the things that need to happen, they become more natural over time. And yeah. I will just, I would just check those almost subconsciously because I care. But at first you, I, I do think you have to force the issue. Yeah, I think, I think to make something measurable, and if that's something that you're going to evaluate your coaches on, there has to be a checklist as far as that's concerned. Now, the goal would be for your coach to be able to hit the checklist and for the member not to let it feel like it's a checklist, for them just to be like, man, Todd really took interest in me today. That, that felt really cool, man. He's following up, asking about this thing. He knows it's more than just fitness, or the reason I come here is not only because of the workout. Um, so I think you're right, like make it measurable. So that way we can actually evaluate somebody and ensure that that happens every single day. Um, make it objective, not subjective. Um, but do it in a way to where your clients just, they feel it, but they don't really know it's happening. Yeah. So they don't know. Curious, I'd be curious to know what's, it sounds like you're evaluating your coaches specifically on that. So what's on your evaluation? What's on your checklist? There? Well, those, those things that I mentioned before, and I'm, and, and this is kind of a point that I was chatting with Marcus about is like, they, um, before I finalize that, like, we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss as coaches and, and just kind of walk through that experience and say, what would be awesome? Like, what would be like the best class ever for somebody? And then, can we quantify or measure those things? And then can we somehow figure out how to replicate that? You know, and, and this is not like a new concept. If you think about, if you've ever been to, I mean, you like nice stuff. I mean, you're cheap, but you like nice stuff. Like if you've ever been to like a five-star resort, 
right? I don't know, like I don't know, like what the what the nicest hotel that you've ever been to, but uh, I've been to, which is actually pretty close to you, to Sea Island in Georgia. It's like okay. right, and that place is off the charts with customer service. People knew my name having having never met them because they knew I was coming because of systems they put in place and it didn't feel like it but I guarantee you that they're measuring that somehow they have a way of measuring like uh did uh so and so know that you know Mr. and Mrs. Fernandez were coming for breakfast because I've never met this person who was serving me breakfast but she sure as shit knew both of our names and know where we came from you know which is like I'm like okay well that's fantastic you know so it's one of those things where I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, how do I take like seemingly mundane interactions like that and try to replicate them in a class that like are, are little, but are actually the difference between, that sets me apart between one gym and the next. Like, how do I do these intangibles that, that when somebody walks in, it, we, can, we can quantify that this gym feels like a better place than the other gym. Yeah, and as much as as much as we are running fitness facilities and gyms, I don't want my place to feel like a, a gym. You know what I mean? I'd rather it feel like a, I just don't want it to be a dirty, dusty, you know, shitty gym. I want it to feel like a professional service, which is what it should be. And so that comes not only with the way the place looks, the cleanliness of it, which is obviously probably a, a bigger deal now in most of uh, affiliates out there based on what's going on with COVID and all of that. Um, but then also the way that people are interacted with and whether they get, you know, their name said in class time or whether they get the follow-up phone call that you promised to make and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's multiple aspects of that. So there's, there's kind of your athlete intake and how you manage people's experience over time. And then there's that 60 minute window where they come in to train. And I would, as, as we're talking about this, I'm trying to figure out like, what what would be two things that we could pair together? It's like, okay, well, the Ritz Carlton known for like customer service, bougie, whatever. And then I'm like, what if we could take the Ritz Carlton and that experience, but like add a layer of cheers on top of it. Right. We're like, <laughs> everybody, everybody knows your name. They're yeah. going to give you a hard time, but like, but the service is impeccable. It's clean. It's timely. And it's all those things. I'm like, what if you could make it? And, and this is something that I've all, for whatever reason, I, I think CrossFit gym specifically struggle with this. Cause I know I have in the past is this, this weird tension I guess it's kind of similar like technique and intensity, this weird tension of like really damn good training and awesome environment. And I feel like a lot of people think you can only have one or the other where it's either got like technically amazing or just really fun. And both of those are flawed in, in, in that structure because they lack something super important. Yeah. You can't, you, if you, if you give up focus, on one of those things to focus on the other, you're going to be missing something. Definitely going to be missing something, right? If you, you want to provide an excellent experience and have an excellent gym, you've got to be chasing excellence in, in all avenues. Um, and I agree with you. I think I've, I've seen that. I've experienced that. I've gone through times of that where it's like there's too much time spent on the technical side of actually coaching. And it comes at the expense sometimes of the experience of the clients. Um, whereas I've experienced times and coaches and places where there's so much time and focus put on just having a good time that nobody actually learns anything. Um, and they're not scaled properly and that kind of stuff. They let just let people do whatever they want to, as opposed, opposed to 
you know, making sure that they're doing what they need to and are supposed to. So, so figuring out a way to balance that thing is, is, is pretty critical. Yeah. And I, like, as I was kind of on, and I've been thinking about it nonstop for the past couple of days, cause I just hadn't really ever thought about it that way about, you know, like, I don't want to say we're rigid in what the, in what a good coach is, but again, there's those intangibles of the presence and attitude um, that, that largely is abstract. And, and, you know, we talk about it in the level two, which is like, what, how, like, what is the one-on-one interaction or how many of one-on-one interactions do you get? And that's, that is a metric. But if we're going to talk about like, did everybody in the class have a great experience? Well, that's probably not a sufficient enough set of metrics to determine what their experience was. And, and, and did this person have presence and attitude? And now that I'm really thinking about it, presence and attitude should actually really be based on what other people perceive that presence and attitude to be not like, not what we, because I'm not actually getting the service. I'm just evaluating the service. Right. Yeah. So you've got to be careful on not taking your personal preference in to assume that the way you like things or want things is the way that your, your members will as well. Um, And I think that comes from, as far as coaching goes, comes from getting to know your clients. Like how much interaction do they want? There are people that want to be talked to the entire class and shoot, maybe even want to have one line conversations in the middle of a workout. There's other people that the workout starts and they don't want you anywhere near them. Right. Um, so making sure that you're aware of that and you, I guess, have enough flexibility in your evaluation to ensure that your coaches are doing the right thing, but also, um, trying to accommodate their, their particular clients and understand their different personalities too. Which may seem a little bit difficult, but I, I would actually push back on anybody who's, who's feels a little bit res- resistant about the concept, figure it out, right? Maybe yep. somebody, maybe somebody doesn't want to be spoken to during the workout. They're like, don't talk to me during the workout with, with the exception of, Hey, open your hips, push your knees out, chest up, eyes forward, like whatever. Yep. But so, so, that's not where we get our touch points. I get them yeah. during the general warm up or during the whiteboard brief or during the cool down. But the point is that I get the touch points. So this, while it is fluid, it can still be measured and quantified and say like, did I get the touch point? Because just like in the class, I mean, you've had your, your gym for a long time. I would venture to guess that simply by starting to try to measure some of these things, retention in your membership base would go up because simply because Sally's not talkative doesn't mean that it's okay for us to just glance over her or not engage with her in some way to figure out how should we engage Sally? Maybe it's not in this big, it's in the whiteboard brief where maybe she's not okay with that kind of like a spotlight type interaction. Maybe it's a drive by on her during the, during the specific warm up or during the, test round or something like that but it has to happen otherwise she's the person that leaves or he's the person that leaves yeah it just falls through the crack and cracks and you don't even realize it so absolutely um yeah i agree i think you know putting putting some standards there so that your coaches know what's expected and figure out ways to uh, to accomplish the task are, are critical um it's also been an interesting dynamic i mean we're going on our, our second week of being open again um and there is definitely a different dynamic than what we're used to. And I think the, the biggest thing that we've had to adjust to is, is the, the 
client experience and not necessarily presence and attitude there, but figuring out how to connect with people and keep the energy going on. Cause I don't know how you guys are doing it. Um, but we've got, you know, coaches taking athletes temperatures as they're coming in and recording mm -hmm. that. So instead of as people come in and the coaches being on the floor and walking around and talking to everybody, they're near the door. People are walking in, you're scanning them, then you're sending them kind of to their designated areas. So right off the bat, there's less interaction beyond the, hey, how's it going? Let me ask you these questions and scan you real quick. Um, and then also because people are separated a little bit more, there's a little less, a little less interaction between clients, yeah. um, which makes it a little bit interesting because naturally people get in there and start talking and that brings some energy. So there's a little bit less energy. And then even during the classes, like we're not having people share any equipment. So you move to a heavy day. And one of the best part about a heavy day is me getting with my two buddies and yep. sharing a barbell and throwing weights around. Well, if we're not sharing barbells anymore and I'm just doing it by myself, like how do I still keep all of that same energy that we had before? How do we, you know, make sure that this experience still feels similar, but also people feel safe in the environment um, and we're taking the, the, the necessary precautions. So I think that's been the biggest changes that we've made. That's been the biggest feedback that I've been giving our coaches. It's like, how do I do this type of stuff? Um, and that's, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say it. Cause I, I think community, right? Like, just the word it's almost synonymous with CrossFit at this point, which is, is one of the most beneficial things about CrossFit is community, but it is this weird um, idea that kind of floats up in, in, in space that is, is, is kind of undefined, right? Like, okay, community, a group of people that lives together, does something together. Okay. Well, what past that? Like what, what is the community that I would want to be a part of? And that it's like, okay, well, I'd want everybody to be nice, right? I'd want, I'd want people to be um, both interesting and interested in me, right? I, I would want there to be um, generous, you know, like all these things that were just like, yeah, that would be a, an amazing community to be a part of. Well, how do I start to tee those things up so that I don't lose these people that feel like outsiders who come into a gym where Fern and Todd and Ackerman have been friends for six years. Yep. And, and like, how do I get to immerse this person into that and, and get them into the community uh, and kind of like baptize, if you will, as quickly as possible so that they can get through that awkward stage of trying to integrate. Right. And that's where something, I don't think that here, at, I mean, we do, I think we, I've done an okay job of it in the past, but it's something that's really been on my radar. It's just like, Hey, if we're really going to tout community. We should probably put some effort into it. Like we should probably figure out like, what is a, a fantastic experience and how would I tee up some opportunities that would lend itself to like, man, this is awesome. Like break all the barriers as soon as humanly possible for this person to walk in and be like, cool. Like everything, all the things that I thought, were bad that could happen didn't happen as a matter of fact the opposite of those things happened you know yeah it's interesting you, you you ask any affiliate owner or any crossfit coach hey what makes your gym different than the next gym coaching, coaching and community, community. <laughs> coaching and community coaching and community it's like great we're all great at coaching and community what the hell does that mean right 
Um, and, and are and, we? If everybody's good at it, it's like functional, right? If everything's functional, <laughs> nothing's functional. Nothing's, yeah. What, what, what do you mean by that, right? And if that's what, that's what our selling point is to our clients who, number one, don't know the difference between good and bad client or good and bad coaching, right? Somebody that's new. And number two has probably, if they've never done like a group fitness before, specifically a CrossFit, they can't wrap their head around what community means because they're used to going to a traditional gym where if you talk to one person in the 90 minutes you're in there, that's a pretty big deal because most people have their headphones on yep. and they're gallon of water and they're just looking you up and down, right? And so when they call and they're asking about your gym and you're like, oh, we've got the best coaching and we've got the best community. They're like, what the hell do you mean by community? I'm just trying okay. to lose 20 pounds. I don't need something else with that, you know? So um, that's an interesting thing is like, what does that actually mean? And then how do you actually facilitate that? It's, I mean, at the bare minimum, it's an interesting discussion. Like, okay, what would that look like? What, what would it, like, if I'm a new person walking in, it would probably look like immediately being greeted by somebody. Um, it might be looking like being paired with somebody who's been around for a while. Like if you have uh, like an ambassador program or something in your gym, it would mean that the coach is going to get those touch points on me, which the client's not going to realize that you're doing that intentionally, but they're going to feel seen and heard, which is important be like, Oh, they didn't just forget about me. He asked me what I do for a living. He asked me about my injuries. He went out of his way or she went out of her way to make sure that the workout was tailored to me specifically like that would be another one that could be an easy checkpoint like did everybody here get an individualized person uh, uh an individualized version of the workout yeah right like, that's a big deal you know if you have 15 people in the class like that's arguably your job as a coach is to dial up 15 different variations of oh, that you absolutely know? so that would go in the checklist because that inherently is going to force some of those other interactions to happen. How are you feeling today? What was your training like yesterday? Like what's going on? Like, like all of those things. So I think it's, I think it's important, but again, largely it's gone unmeasured in my facility. And now I'm trying to figure out like, how do I measure that? Because here's the other pitfall. Some people are good at it. Some people are not but it doesn't yeah. mean they can't be better at it or that, or it doesn't mean at the very least they can't check all the boxes that would make a good experience. Because if I just assume that, you know, Todd's great at personal interaction, but Fern sucks because he's got resting dick face, then that's not okay. Like we have to somehow give that person tools or exercises to improve that. Cause now I'm, now it's effort, right? It's the same thing as like trying to, work on uh, visual cueing for a movement. It's just like, I don't get, it doesn't matter if you're not good at it. You're not going to get good at it unless you practice it. Like show them. Okay. That was terrible. Show them again. Like try it a different way. I mean, I've seen you do this at level twos where I just sit back and watch and you watch people stumble through that process of giving a visual cue. And it's probably no different with somebody who's not super outgoing. You're, they're going to have to watch them stumble through not being socially awkward uh, and stumble through getting those personal interactions, but you will get better with time. And now there won't be this huge swing of like, well, everybody shows up to Todd's class because Todd's the jam. And, you know, Fern's class at 5 p.m. is just like crickets because everybody thinks it sucks. So, 
Yeah, and you've got, I think you've got to have that. I mean, naturally, everybody's going to have a little bit different personalities. And there's certain people that just ooze that charisma that, like, they couldn't have bad presence and attitude even if they wanted to, right? They just naturally have it. Um, and those type of people are going to, it's going to be easy for them, right? Um, but I have seen people develop the capacity to do that kind of stuff. Shoot, I'm a pretty good example of that. I think I told you. I was just going to say, based on previous yeah. conversations that we've had, like you're a perfect example my, of that. My, my level two, um, when I took the old school level two, I went through and it had gone through and was sitting there with, with Sherwood getting evaluated. And he's like, all right, your teaching was good. You hit the marks there. You're seeing, you're correcting all of that. And then he got to the end of it and was like, let me ask you something. I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, do you even like coaching? And I'm like, oh, of course, I love it. It's amazing. It's the best thing. You know, I, yeah, I love doing this. He's like, well, I haven't seen you smile all weekend long. It's hard for anybody to have fun if it doesn't look like you're having fun. Um, so it's like, I still remember that conversation like it was yesterday, but that was it. I was so serious and I was so concerned about my ability to teach, see, and correct and manage the group and do all these things that I didn't loosen up and have fun. I barely smiled. And I mean, I, I still feel the same thing happening you know, as we've gone through the course of the, the level ones and the level twos, whenever I'd have a new lecture, I'd be so focused on delivering the materials. I know I'd get through a lecture and not smile or stop and pause. And so it's becoming more aware of that stuff has taught me to like, if I feel that I'm getting too serious or I can see the reaction in, in the crowd, it's like stop and smile. And it's amazing what will happen when you just relax and show a smile, just, just, the way that tension is eased with people around you. I mean, I know I talked recently about my, my inability to public speak in front of people. So it's like tons of that kind of stuff has yeah. come, allowed me to come a long way from where I was as far as presence and attitude is concerned. That's an easy measurable. Did you smile? How many times did you smile in the class? Like, it's just thinking about like all these weird things that you would measure, but it still would lend itself to uh, a, a, what we would both agree is probably a, a great class like is the coach smiling right did how many times during the class was there laughter right it doesn't have to be like you don't have to be a comedian but was there two to three times the class where collectively there was some banter and laughter like boom check that box like that that should happen right uh, and again it's forcing the issue like forcing the coach to try to find these things and, and again I, I do think for some people it would feel forced but again think about everybody's you know whether you've been to a five-star hotel or not it probably not everybody's done that but everybody's had a kick-ass waiter or waitress at a some sort and I'm like what did they do well they were engaging they probably like engaged you personally instead of just asking you what you wanted to eat right they were probably on time you know they probably food out and probably gave you something a little bit extra right and they probably did all those things and we could unpack that and find some sort of measurable like that makes a good waiter or waitress it's like okay well, what could we unpack from a coaching standpoint that's not technical take all that side and just like yes you brought out the right food congratulations but what was the what was these diners experience? like what was these athletes experience in your class like did they get cues? Cool. Like, did you say all of the right things? Great. But did we go one level past that? Like, did they smile? Did you get, you know, potentially after COVID, like, did you get a physical touch on people, either fist bump or like a elbow or something like that? Did they laugh all those things? And I think that's the difference between that's how you quantify community. That's how you quantify culture. 
you know? And I think uh, once you do it and everybody starts really getting pushed towards it, like think about the number of things that the people that, you know, the, those of us that wear the red shirt on the weekends do that are intangibles that we check those boxes, but we're not trying to do them anymore on the weekends. Yeah. I think it becomes more natural for sure. Like, but it also, I, I think doing those things and making it feel natural, like you're not just checking the box, um, also shows why at the end of those weekends, like most trainers I know that, that work level ones and level twos, is like they don't want to talk to a single person on Monday. On Sunday night, their <laughs> eyes like roll back into their head like they can't speak it's exhausting. to anybody on the plane home. And that same thing happens for anybody that, that's, that's coaching a class with that extent in a regular affiliate like you coach three classes in a day and it's like nope I'm done I got nothing left um because of the amount of effort it takes to to put on that kind of show and and you don't want it to feel like it like it's a show but it is it's like taking that much interest and care and being on stage for that amount of time um is a lot of work it is and and I actually I think it's okay for for us Again, if we're talking about being professional coaches, I think it's okay to reference it as a performance because I would tell you that anybody who works in the hotel industry or, you know, in the restaurant industry, that's a performance. Like if, if I'm going to get a good tip, I'm going to have to work for it. And the same thing, like if you want people to come in and love your gym and bring their friends and do all of that stuff, like you're going to have to work for it. But it is, it, you do have to start figuring out, okay, what are these things that are going to have people rave? about my coaching and community and air quotes that yeah. are going to bring people in, you know, and there's a ton of things that you could do outside of that 60 minute window, but that 60 minute window is important. You know, it's important that they like want to get into that 60 minute window. This is a lot of the reason I think the people that do it really well don't have all the problems with people wanting to do their own shit on the side because the class is the thing that everybody's just like wants to be in. Like that's where the good shit happens over there. Yeah, I think, I think that brings up two things to that is, yeah, if you do a good job of that, people want to be a part of it. And number two, if you set the example, like one, by being the person that takes that's in class or at least doing the gym workouts, we've talked about all this stuff mm -hmm. before, but you also like you're setting the example for like, if you're the coach that isn't on the floor and you happen to be either taking class or you're just in the gym and somebody new walks in the, in the door. Are you somebody that like stays off to the side and lets the coach that's on the floor working go up and talk to that person? Are you the first person to go give them a high five and figure out who they are? And then when class is going on and it's time to partner up to lift together, do you go with your buddies or are you the guy that grabs the new person and says, Hey, come lift with me. Um, it's like you setting the example sets the tone for everybody else in the gym too, and lets them know that, Hey, this is the way that this thing goes down. You know, Todd not only coaches the gym or coaches and owns the gym, but he also takes the classes, does all the programming. And when somebody new comes in, he's the first person to talk to him and to bring him to his group and do all that kind of stuff. You set the stage by not only making it measurable so you can evaluate your coaches, but more importantly, you have to set the standard and you need to set it high because most people aren't going to reach your standard, but that's what they're going to be striving for. So it better be really, really good. So that way, even if they don't get there, it's still plenty good enough for everybody in your gym. And this is important. I like literally just had this thought 
which is, I think some people are listening to this, were like, well, this all sounds staged. Well, to some degree, yes, some of it should be staged. And I think as I'm thinking about it, this is kind of like the whole deal between like, hey, you can be customer service uh, oriented and pragmatic. Well, it can be staged and also simultaneously be sincere, right? Meaning if, let's just say you had a protocol that comes in the gym, somebody walks into the gym, okay, well, there's a protocol there. It doesn't mean that the protocol is fake or it's, insinc it's insincere. It just means like, hey, coach, the first person to get to them, you're going to walk up to them. You're going to ask them these three things like, hey, what's going on? What's your name? How did you come? How did you, how can we help you? What can we do for you? And then maybe as I'm moving them like to somewhere else, I introduce them to another coach and maybe we have like some loose protocols about if another coach introduces you to an athlete, here's what you need to do, right? It's staged and it's preset, but it's not insincere. Like if you did that and you walked up, I'm not going to robot some response to that but i am going to be like hey welcome here it's like oh i see that you met todd already he's going to take good care of you like this place is awesome you're going to love it right that feels really good from a client standpoint and i am being sincere about that because i know todd is a great coach and i love this community and this gym but it was staged because I'm trying to break down these barriers and give them a good experience. So I do, I do think it's worth acknowledging that like stage doesn't mean insincere. Um, it actually means that you've put some things in place to replicate the best experience possible instead of just having it happen by chance. Right. right. Because, because Todd was there instead of Fern or Ackerman. Right. But now we have these things in place to be like, okay, well, how do we replicate that? Well, how do we replicate this person that like came in, they loved it and they've been here for six years since. Okay. Well, let's reverse engineer that. Like, what did that look like? You know? So it's this balance of like, yes, we want them to love it here. And we want to be really damn good coaches and teach and see correct and like have them be better movers and do all these things over time. And that's hard, but I do think, it's worth looking into and worth trying to figure out how to quantify that so that you can give people, you know, the best hour of their day. That's just not going to happen by chance. Right. I think we yeah. did a lot there, dude. That's good, man. Yeah. I think that just, you know, each and every piece of this, as we continue to kind of go down rabbit holes and go on different tangents, it just, it circles back to one thing, which is how much do you care about people? Right. Are you in this because you care more about the people that are walking in the door than you do about yourself? Are you more worried about their workout than your workout? If you care about them, not only are you going to, to do that yourself when you're coaching or when you're on the floor, but then you'll care enough to make sure that that experience happens each and every time somebody walks inside the walls of your gym. That means you care enough to figure out how to create a process, how to make it measurable, um, and how to teach and evaluate all your other coaches so they can, they can, you know, share the same sort of experience that you're able to give. Just got to care about people, man. Yeah. You got to care. And I think you got to figure out how to measure it because again, you don't want to leave it to chance. And, and when you leave things to chance, the people fall through the cracks. Cause I want to have like the best possible experience that we can replicate and then allow people to thrive inside of that. Right. If those people are super outgoing and energetic, well, they can still thrive in that environment. And, but what you're going to end up having is probably a pretty kick-ass gym that you can legitimately hang your hat on the coaches in the community thing, which most people just say that it's just a thing that people say, 
I, I forget who I heard this from, but it's it's like every disc jockey that comes on the radio. It's like, hey, we play the greatest hits of the '90s, and I'm like, so that's what the other <laughs> station said too. The other yeah. station said the same shit. And I'm just like, so I guess every station station plays the greatest hits of the '90s. So yeah, you know, you have to figure out, and, and you have to be able to really show people that and so they can actually experience it and when they leave after that first interaction with you or after you know of the first week and a half with you they're just like shit that was awesome like i cannot wait i was gonna wait maybe a m- another month and a half to bring my friends in but i'm bringing them tomorrow you know like that's what you want to try to do um so we're, i recommend you know it's like because this is the process i'm going through now is like try to figure out how to quantify those things and, and figure out how to measure them uh and i think you would be really shocked at what you find out and the feedback that you get from the members over time. Yeah, no, no way it makes anything worse. That's for sure. No. Yeah. We could definitely put that in the bucket of like, it's not going to go poorly um, by you, by you giving a shit about people. So if you guys have different things that you use in your gyms that you found to be super successful, as far as like giving people a good experience, like how do you quantify it? What are, what would be some other cool things that we didn't mention that you could quantify hit us up. We're happy to talk about them on the podcast. If you've got something cool in your gym, that is just the shit let us know. We're happy to bring you on the podcast and talk about like what you found to be really, really uh, beneficial. So um, this was great. Not having Ackerman here. Um, we should make it, we should make it a regular occurrence. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Uh, but uh, all right, brother, I got to go. I know you got to go. So we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. If you haven't already do us a favor, head over to the Apple podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up best hour of their day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at best hour of their day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting best hour of their day.